RadioInfluence.com. It's time for your Big Bite Weekend Recap Show. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Well, it is all over. It was close. And now we have a new middleweight champion for the first time in going on a decade. Somebody other than Gennady Golovkin has the middleweight title belts. It's Saul Canelo Alvarez, and it is a recap version of Canelo Triple G here on Big Fight Weekend. Great to have you with us. As we look back on what happened Saturday night in the desert in Las Vegas, a majority decision. Two judges for Canelo. One judge had it even at 114 apiece. It was competitive. It was close. It was not spectacular. All right, let's don't go overboard here and say this was an all-time great championship fight. It was good. It had some action at times. Uh, In the end, Golovkin looked a lot like a 36-year-old fighter, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. But in the end, too, he's no longer the champ. For the first time as a professional, he tasted he tasted defeat at the hands here of Canelo Alvarez. It was a draw a year ago. A close decision this time goes to Canelo. Will there be a third fight? That's a question for later on in this podcast as well. So hope you are well. Hope you enjoyed uh, the fight this weekend. We're ready to mix it up and talk about it. I'm going to bring back on Deshaun Tate here in a few moments. I love the insight of Tate's takes out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. Deshaun, a huge fight fan. I want to put it to him about whether he thought the decision was just does he need to see this fight again we'll get his thoughts on why Golovkin didn't have enough rally in him when it looked like Alvarez was winning through the first nine ten rounds of the fight so I look forward to hearing from Deshaun later in the show uh, listen I, I loved working with this guy for many years and hosting nationally on Fox Sports Radio on Saturday nights and etc and Jonas Knox was always with me on the air and doing different things Jonas is now the overnight host as well the Prince of Darkness as he's known in the middle of the night early Saturday early Sunday morning he'll have thoughts on this Triple G fight uh, with Canelo Alvarez some historical perspective on what happens when fighters get old in a hurry uh, does he need to see this thing one more time i mean the talk everywhere is they're going to fight again we'll we'll see what jonas knox has to say about that as we go along here and and wrap it up so again give credit to both of these guys they put on a good show uh, for canelo alvarez i mean he had a rip over his left eye a bad cut you had golovkin trying to come on in the late rounds but canelo had done enough body work had done enough damage he seemed to land more of the power punches in this fight I, I really thought it was something like a seven rounds to five Canelo win, 115-113. I totally understand that maybe somebody saw a round differently and had it a draw. I, I would never understand that uh, that uh, the Triple G somehow won a seventh round, an eighth round in this fight. I just didn't see that. And even Jonas Knox is, uh, is going to point it out in his conversation. His own camp fought in the first half of the fight. You're losing the fight. So in the end, uh, Canelo gets the win. Is it tainted somewhat because of the PED test? Some will believe that. That the failed PED test that put this fight off. We'll find out. We'll find out uh, if he can stay clean. We'll find out what the public thinks about buying future pay-per-views, etc. Will we see this fight again? Uh, time will tell on that one. So let's get started. Uh, not just my comments, but some of our guests here, as always, on Big Fight Weekend. And by the way, you can find us 
uh, via social media at Big Fight Weekend. Also find me at Buck Sideline Guy. I do radio broadcast for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as part of their game broadcast at BUC, at Buck Sideline Guy. Also Big Fight Weekend on Facebook, etc. to find the show. And whether you found us through Radio Influence, subscribe to the show via iTunes and Stitcher, uh, as well as Google Play. Subscribe the show to the show, rank the show, promote it, spread the word. We're talking boxing all the time. Whenever it is a huge fight coming up or that we can recap, we're going to be doing it on Big Fight Weekend. So let's get things rolling on this recap edition of Canelo and Triple G. Yes, as promised, he is back with me after it is all done in the desert and Canelo Alvarez captures the middleweight championship of the world by virtue of his majority decision over Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. We welcome back in Mr. Tate's take himself, Deshaun Tate, to the program. I am bowing to you. You cannot see me, but I'm actually bowing to you because you almost called back-to-back draws in in this situation. It was that narrow of scoring. Instead, it ends up a majority victory. Two cards for Alvarez, one card a draw. So welcome in. I just want your your first reaction and opinion to the fight, what you thought of it, and what you thought of the outcome. Well, thanks for having me, TJ. Appreciate it again. Um, You know, my my initial reaction, I I I was definitely surprised. I would definitely say that I was surprised. I didn't think that uh, Canelo Alvarez nearly did enough uh, to necessarily win the fight, although I do feel the exact same way about Triple G, in which this fight was so much closer to a draw versus the last fight. The crazy part about all of this is I'm not surprised by the decision based on the fact that the last fight seemed like it was a little bit more clear uh, in, in, in favor of Triple G, in which it ended up being a draw so i'm not surprised at all that for this fight that seemed like it was so much more of a draw that uh canelo ended up being declared the winner well uh, you know as the fight wore on i really thought there were two questions the first one is and i asked you this in the preview show whether or not that Golovkin's age at 36 would have an effect here. I mean, look, let's let's be honest. I'm older than you are, and if you start to get older, your your reflexes in boxing, your stamina in boxing, the things that you have to have, your endurance that you have to have is not going to be the same when you're 35, 36, 37, 38 than when you're 25, 26, 27, 28, which Alvarez is 28. And so I thought Golovkin would do enough, would wear out, would wear Canelo down, and would be able to win. It looked to me as the fight wore on that Golovkin could not summon what he needed to summon for the big finish in the last two or three rounds, maybe a late round knockdown, maybe a late round stoppage, or at least be impressive in rounds 10, 11, and 12. I didn't see it Saturday. What about you for Triple G? Yeah, I can't say that I saw it either. You know, when you're talking about this age thing, one thing that we talked about in, in the uh, in the preview for the fight was Triple G's experience, although an older age, his experience versus the youthfulness of Canelo. However, when you start factoring in experience, although a younger fighter, Canelo has fought more notable names then Triple G. And some people may feel like, you know, maybe that's because of the simple fact that there aren't a lot of guys out there who was uh, so quick to jump in the ring, in the squared circle with Triple G 
And, you know, I, I, I don't question that so much. However, that, that gained or gave uh, Canelo a different kind of, uh, a different kind of experience under his belt, though still at a young age. And, and hey, let, let me tell you something. I, 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 I really like Triple G. I can't go as far as saying that I love Triple G. But Triple G, the thing about him is that he's solid all across the board. And he showed exactly that by, you know, between his defense and his offense and just everything all around. Um, but as you watched, he wasn't the aggressor in this fight. The entire night, as it looked totally different from the first fight, uh, Canelo was the aggressor, just consistently, consistently kept coming in, kept, kept coming in. Something that we never saw anybody uh, do to Triple G. And in most cases, Triple G was always doing to them. So uh, the, the experience from the first fight is something I think that a lot of people don't take notice of, but certainly helped Canelo out a whole lot. Do you think that was some of what I'm talking about, endurance? Do you think that was strategy from Triple G? Because I know I know, uh, watching and listening to Jim Lampley and Roy Jones and Max Kellerman, they kept talking about that uh, Saul Alvarez, that Alvarez is the aggressor, that he is the guy coming forward, he is the guy taking the fight to Triple G, and it's almost like Triple G was willing to be a counterpuncher. He was willing to go along with that strategy. I guess my question is why? Why was he willing to go along with that, or was that part of father time that he wasn't as aggressive because he can't be as aggressive for that long anymore? I think that it was more or less a fact that uh, it, was, it, was the, it was the father time kicking in. I mean, I don't really think that Triple G, first of all, I don't, I don't really see that he did anything necessarily different or adjusted in the fight um, from the first fight, in which we did see that from Canelo. You know, we, when you went back and you look at the scorecards, you saw the percentages. And, and it may seem as if Canelo was getting dominated a lot more because of the fact that uh, Triple G was throwing more punches and landing more punches. But I think when it comes down to power punches and power blows, as you yep. can see by the leakage on Triple G's face after the fight, something we've never seen. Something we've never seen from Triple G after a fight, a way that he never looked or appeared to us before, we saw that. And I don't think he uh, just realistically doesn't think that he did enough to say, I am the clear-cut winner, and, and, and this, is, this is what should have happened the first fight, where I should have been declared the winner. You have to come out with a little extra oomph. He didn't come out with that on Saturday night. And so I think that that also was part of it because the strategy was switched up on um, – on, on, on the behalf of Canelo and his team, and we just kept coming forward. And, and no matter how many, you know, straight jabs you got hit with, he just keeps coming forward and he ends up being the power puncher. I think overall that, 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 that's what benefited and probably seemed like it, 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 uh, it had the biggest effect on the results of the fight. Voice of Deshaun Tate, Tate's Take Sports. Tate's Take Sports is his Twitter handle. We love his insight. He's always going to be around on Big Fight Weekend Podcast. We are reviewing the uh, majority decision win by Canelo Alvarez to capture the WBC, WBA, something called the IBO, and the Ring Magazine versions of the middleweight championship in an upset of Gennady Golovkin, his first career loss comes as a professional at the hands of Canelo Alvarez Saturday night in, in Las Vegas. I, I wonder, I want a Tate's take on the scorecards because, as I mentioned at the top of our conversation, it was very close to being another draw. One of the judges that gave Canelo the final round had Canelo only winning by one point going into the final round, 
And had he given the 12th round, which I really thought could have gone either way, to Triple G, you would have had two two cards as the draw. The the uh, the one judge that did have it a draw did give Triple G the 12th round, and that made the fight a draw on his card. You almost had that twice. Um, also, the, the third judge that gave Alvarez also the victory by two points uh, in his in his scorecard, he had uh, Canelo ahead by two points. He gave Triple G the final round, so he differed from the other judges, so that was interesting too. But one judge saw it the other way, and, and so uh, now that I read that out about the scorecards, if I didn't confuse you, there were two of them that believed that Canelo won that important final round if Triple G had done more to convince the judges with bigger punches, with a bigger finish, he at least would have gotten the draw out of this one. A lot of that of, of what you said, TJ, is very intriguing to me because of the fact that I thought that that final round in round number 12 was very even. You had two guys, and this is just like boxing all, uh, all across the board. Anytime you see two guys are still standing there when the 12th round rolls around, they're going to throw a fight. I mean, these guys are pretty much putting it all on the line for those last three or four minutes. You are going to see an exchange of big-time punches and blows thrown. If nobody's glove hits the mat, it's, it's in, in a lot of cases, not always, but in a lot of cases, it's going to end up being a draw just because of the damage that's having an effect and the, 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 the crazy amount of, of punches that are being thrown at that point. Now, I do think, however, the round prior in the 11th round, where it did honestly appear to say that uh, Canelo did seem a little bit more hurt, and I think that's where, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, I think that's where Triple G waited a little bit too long to make some power punches count in he, his face. If I can interject, he clearly won yeah. the 11th. He clearly landed a sure. couple of big shots in the 11th, sure. and that's where you're thinking if he can summon it, here's where it is for a knockdown for something dramatic in the 12th, and it just didn't happen, and I guess those judges were waiting for it to happen because the 12th was there to be taken. Deshaun, and it didn't, and it didn't only, get taken, yeah. Not only that, but I, I don't feel like it was enough uh, for as much praise. As, and I'm not saying that, you know, he, Triple G is not a great fighter. Obviously, he is and made up for, made for a really good fight, obviously. Same thing from Canelo as well. Uh, but I just don't think for, for, for everything that goes along with so much that we hear about Triple G, I, I don't think any fans of Triple G or even Triple G's uh, 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 team, if you will, can tell you that this is the best that we've ever seen out of Triple G, regardless of the competition or lack thereof. Uh, and, and all things considered, he looked a lot more tired, uh, and that has been noted from you know every, everyone that was doing the commentating and 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 uh, and everybody just pretty much watched. You sat there and you watched it. And I don't know if that was a matter of old age. I don't know if you know maybe Canelo came in with a different kind of preparation for the fight and just made it difficult for twelve rounds. Uh, but it did seem like he was getting a little bit weary, Triple G, I'm speaking of. And he just didn't look like the Triple G that we're used to fighting. And some of those things, regardless of the effect that Triple G's blows had on the 11th round, on the 12th round, prior to the 11th or 12th round, he didn't look like the Triple G that we expected him to come in and look like. And I think pretty much just about everybody can agree with that. And while some people may feel like he, he gave a little bit more of a beating to Canelo, one thing that you cannot argue is the fight that Canelo came in there with, and he stood his ground. He held in there. I mean, a lot of those punches, he was just saying, you know what, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down. But I'm not going to be hanging around and hanging out on the ropes all night the same way he was the first fight. He took a little bit of a punishment. And these are all some of the things that I think play through the minds of a lot of the judges because 
a lot of this stuff we had never seen anybody even come close to challenging um, uh, challenging uh, Triple G, let alone uh, having enough to be able to make even a slight case of beating him. And I think the most interesting thing is what could happen in 2019 on Cinco de Mayo if we are in the event to see <laughs> a third fight of that happen. I will be really, really interested to see, um, number one, how Triple G prepares differently this time around. So after you feel like you had an opportunity and you got screwed the first time, you had the opportunity in the second fight to go ahead and put away any kind of doubt. You didn't do that the second time. Now you got your belt taken. Now you're fighting, you know, Cinco de Mayo, big, big, big Mexican holiday. And, and, and obviously Canelo's a, a Mexican and, 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 and just everything that's going to go along with that. He's not used to being in this position. He's going from, uh, from, from the hunted to the hunter now, and now he's the challenger. And so, and, and, and even the same thing for, for Canelo, I think it's going to be really interesting with him having the target on his back now, instead of being the guy um, that, 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 is the, uh, that is the hunter at that point. I think all of these things are going to make for a much better fight considering two guys who are in totally uh, new situations but are still familiar with each other uh, through two fights. Voice of Deshaun Tate with me for a few more minutes. It's Big Fight Weekend recapping Canelo Alvarez's majority decision win over Triple G, handing him his first professional loss to win the world middleweight title. A couple more observations. I thought Teddy Atlas on ESPN was very uh, interesting and succinct. I know he's animated, but I love his his insight where he said, hey, Golovkin's the bigger guy, and the bigger guy should have landed the bigger shots, the body shots, and the fact that he didn't tells you something. If Alvarez was landing the bigger punches as the smaller guy moving up, that tells you something uh, about this fight. So uh, he, he thought that Alvarez had won in a narrow one, and he kept saying, follow the money for the third fight so that leads me to something that you just alluded to it sounds to me like you would be interested in a third matchup between these two i don't know how much the public wants this thing a third time the 25th round if you will to see it again Mm -hmm. do you want to see it again do you think the public wants to see it again whether it's cinco de mayo or at some point in 2019 well, I definitely do, just because of the fact that I like boxing anyway. I mean, we can we we we, we can throw two homeless guys in the square circle, <laughs> if you will, and I'll have a I'll have a blast just sitting there watching it. But I like strategic fights, and I like good fights, and I think that people will be entertained and would love. Now, I can't I can't tell you how much money that they'll charge on pay per view for those fights, which will determine as to how many people will buy or won't. But just from a standpoint of how good this fight was and maybe the first fight wasn't exactly everything that everybody thought it would be but for what it was not i think that the second fight certainly made up for it and when you start looking at where boxing is just in general right now i think that people certainly uh tune in to uh, a third fight and, and would certainly entertain a third fight when you're looking at everything else that's out there and that's not a shot you know at the crawford versus spence potential or you know, whomever versus whomever, because there are still a ton of good fights out there. But when you're talking about the two uh, that are obviously at the top of the weight class and two of some of the best in boxing that no matter what, hands down, you can guarantee that whomever they get in there with, they will be giving you a boxing fight. There won't be no running around. There won't be no rope of dopes. There won't be hanging out on the ropes all night. It's going to be two guys that want to get bloody and knock each other's heads off because they don't like each other, although I'm sure they have a lot of respect for each other. These are like you, you. You look back, TJ, and you look at Saturday's fight. When is the last time that you really had that good feeling? Like, 
I walked away from here with a really good, like I got my money's worth. I wanted to see a fight, and I got a chance to see a fight by two guys who were strategic, but it was a combination of being strategic, so it wasn't defense all night, but it wasn't offense all night where guys are going in there and just throwing haymakers left and right coming out of the gate. You got a chance to see a really good balance, and that's what boxing is all about. And in order for boxing to get back to where it once was, it's going to have to take the mindsets and the training and just everything that these two guys brought to the table. And I think that can do nothing but help the sport in the event that they have a third fight. Well, we'll see if that's the case. Uh, you know, Anthony Joshua was defending his version of the heavyweight championship against Alexander Povetkin, and that's a wild that's right. fight coming this weekend in Europe where there's tremendous interest in the U.K. and in Europe in that fight. I know when it's on a different continent from where we are, you got to grasp how big that is. But, I mean, Joshua's been selling out Wembley Stadium and, and football uh, soccer, if you will, football over there, stadiums for the last three or four years with his stardom. And if Joshua remains undefeated, defeats Pavetkin, of course, Deontay Wilder, undefeated U.S. version of the heavyweight championship, that's looming. That would be a fight that intrigues me much more necessarily than seeing Alvarez and Golovkin again. But I don't know that the Joshua fight, Wilder, Joshua Wilder fight gets made in 2019. I don't know that we're going to see that one in the next year or two. It appears we're going to see. Uh, Canelo and Triple G um, uh, here a third time at some point next year, the whole follow the money thing. All right, anything that we didn't cover, any thoughts in in closing as we put this one to bed and Alvarez avenges the draw, overcomes the stigma of the PED suspension, wins the fight. Anything else? I I give you the floor, Deshaun Tate, as we put the Triple G, Canelo Alvarez fight back, back into a neutral corner, if you will. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I just think that really quickly when you were talking about the Joshua versus Wilder fight, something I certainly hope uh, not only happens, but when you start talking about how much more excited people are versus seeing, you know, maybe a Triple G against Canelo number three or anybody else, is because of the fact that what ultimately, especially in the '90s and whatnot, uh, um, it kind of grasped the attention of a lot of boxing fans. Uh, was the fact that it was heavyweight. Nothing is better than two big guys just throwing them and going at each other. I mean, that's what this thing is all about. It's all about the heavyweight division. It hasn't been about that in so many years. So that's one reason why I think that it will be intriguing. But I will say this uh, in closing when talking about the Triple G and Canelo fight, because I know there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this podcast. By the way, let me thank you for listening to this podcast and, 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 and putting other things to the side while you take the time out. Um, however, but I just, I just, I want people to really think about this when I say this, cause I'm not sure that this happens enough or will happen enough is ask yourself if you, if you really felt like, you know, prior to that, that, that triple G and even after the fact won this fight, ask yourself, did he do enough to be a clear cut favorite? And I just don't think that's the case. And we know Canelo won the fight according to the judges. We get that. Everybody looks at this stuff with different eyes. People look at punches. Some people look at power punches. Different people look at statistics. People look at defense. People look at knockout, you know, whatever the case may be. But I, 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 I challenge people to do one thing and ask yourself for everything that you've seen from Triple G from his very first fight all the way up to this point. When he fought this fight and that bell, that final bell rung to, to conclude the fight, do you really feel like from all you've ever seen from Triple G was that he did enough to get his hand raised. Maybe not Canelo's hand raised. I personally like to think it was a draw, but was it enough 
for Triple G to have his hand raised. And I honestly think if each and every single person looks down deep on the inside of themselves and asks themselves that question, the true answer will be no, that he did not. And maybe it should have been a draw in my personal opinion. How much does Triple G want a third fight? We'll see. To avenge it, it's his first professional loss. He had been the longest reigning world champion in any weight class. It's his first defeat of his career. We'll see what happens uh, with that fight. One thing's for sure, I love the insight of, can this guy break it down with the sweet science? I love the insight of Deshaun Tate here on Big Fight Weekend. Promise me that we get to talk a little Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin before that one gets rolling. That one is coming up. I look forward to talking with you about that one in advance thank you for uh for sharing some time with me here to talk about canelo alvarez they're going crazy in mexico they're going crazy in southern california and elsewhere where the big canelo crowd is after that great win for him in the desert on uh, on saturday but deshaun thank you sir absolutely thank you for having me man i'll tell you what I'm, I'm enjoying this boxing podcast i'm doing with you boxing is slowly on its way back let's get this thing all started off tomorrow let's go ahead and put joshua and <laughs> wilder in there tomorrow let's get triple g and canelo number three tomorrow let's get Vince and cross let's get them all on tomorrow i'm excited about everything boxing is doing coming back thanks tj big fight weekend brought to you in part by touch vodka drink eat live local touch vodka We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, T.J. Reeves. We do roll on. It is Big Fight Weekend recapping Triple G and Canelo Alvarez with Canelo capturing the World Middleweight Championship. And who better to help break it down with me? It has been far too long since I've gotten to talk on the air with the Prince of Darkness, my man, Brother Knox, Jonas Knox of Fox Sports Radio, who hosts the early Saturday, early un, uh, early Sunday overnight shows uh, from 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern, new, uh, midnight to 3 a.m. Pacific time, if I didn't butcher that completely, on Friday night slash Saturday morning overnights. You also catch him on Sunday evenings, now recapping the NFL weekend and the college football with Brady Quinn on Fox Sports Radio. Jonas Knox is here. How you feeling, brother? Uh, all good, all good in the hood, especially with Canelo getting that decision the other night to win the world middleweight title. You cool with that? Well, first of all, the pleasure is all mine. It's not often you get to talk to the guy, the <laughs> voice Stop outside it. of Gene Deckeroff, the voice of the undefeated Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yes. DJ Reed. Yes. So the pleasure is all mine. Well, so you should um. you should know this, <laughs> that Mr. Knox would keep me sane regularly on Fox Sports Radio every Saturday night and keep me in the middle of the road. And if I ever misbehave, he would wrap me on the knuckles like a nun at the Catholic school from the Blues Brothers. All right, so I asked, I'm asking again, are you cool with this decision that Alvarez got the majority decision on Saturday and is now the middleweight champ? I scored the fight for Triple G. I actually had it 116-112 for Triple G, but I would probably lean more towards a 115-113. But it was no robbery. There was no uh, nobody should should be outraged by the scores. Um, I would have totally understood a draw. I get it completely. My biggest issue with the fight is this. If you watch the 12th round, I would venture to guess that majority of people who watch that 12th round to me it was some of the better action that Golovkin put up during the entire fight. 
Yet two judges gave the 12th to Canelo, and that ultimately was the difference yep. between that fight being a draw and yep. Canelo winning the fight. That's my biggest issue. And how you could look at that 12th round and say, oh, yeah, that's clearly and definitively a Canelo round, I, I don't see it. Well, and the one judge had Canelo only up by one point at that moment. And if he gives the round, we've talked about this earlier with the previous guest, Deshaun Tate, if he gives the round to Gennady Golovkin, we've got a majority draw because then two, yep. two of the judges would have had it 114-114 in that instance. I thought Golovkin was actually better in the 11th round. Did it surprise you that he didn't stomp on the accelerator, do something dramatic to clearly win the 12th round? Because I didn't see that Saturday, Saturday night. I saw him in a close 12th round, but he wasn't fighting all out like he had to win the 12th round. Yeah, and I think some of that is, Look, the body work Canelo did early on, his game plan was fantastic. And you got to give him credit for that. His game plan, I don't think they expected him to be as aggressive as he was. I don't think they expected the consistent body work that he gave them. And so you clearly that was doing damage. And I don't know if body work combined with, look, Triple G's 36, so he's clearly towards the end of his career. I don't know that he had that second gear in him and that that's credit to Canelo Alvarez but I still felt like the 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 last quarter of the fight was all triple G and that's why I was surprised to see the 12th go to go to Canelo yeah uh, again, Jonas Knox is with us, the Jonas Knox on Twitter. Find him on Fox Sports Radio as well in the uh, in the wee hours Eastern time, midnight, 3 a.m. Pacific time on Friday night and on Saturday night. Ta- and loves to talk all things, not just football, but MMA, boxing as well. I had to go to him about this decision. Uh, you know, Teddy Atlas was saying something after this fight. I've already also referenced it on this recap podcast here on Big Fight Weekend that when you're the bigger fighter, like Golovkin was, you should land the bigger blows, the body blows. The fact that Alvarez, as the smaller fighter, got the better of the body work, how surprised were you about that? Yeah, I was surprised because, and I expected, if you watch the first fight, Triple G sort of pushed the action and he sort of pressed the action. It felt like, and maybe maybe I'm just overthinking this, but early on it felt like a different Triple G. I don't know if he was compromised because of an injury um, or maybe the weight cut affected him a little more than, than, than normally. I, I don't know what the problem was, but to, to your eyes, just in watching all the Triple G fights that we've watched over the past several years, didn't early on it just feel like a different guy? It felt different to me. Yeah. And when, when his own when his own trainer told him during one of in between rounds, we're losing this fight, I I don't recall that ever being said to Triple G at any point in his career. And we've seen a lot of his fights have been televised on HBO or on pay-per-view. I don't recall uh, Abel Sanchez ever telling Triple G in between rounds we're losing this fight. The fact that he did, I think he sensed something was off with his fighter. Well, and like you mentioned, and we said this in the build-up, I've said this, again, I keep referencing earlier in the podcast, maybe it is father time. You said it too. Maybe at 36, you can't summon it all the time on demand, on tap anymore. Yeah. You you don't have the same legs in the 6th, the 8th, and the 10th round, the same reflexes in the 8th, the 10th, the 11th round that you used to have, and you're fighting a fighter 8 years younger than you. So maybe that was part of it um, as well. Yeah, go ahead. And, 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 I'm, and I'm sorry to interrupt, and, but we've seen this in recent history at middleweight. If, if anybody recalls Sergio Martinez, Sergio Mar- Martinez 
was as crafty and slick and skilled of a middleweight fighter that we've seen in a long, long time. And he started adding power to it. We all remember the knockout of Paul Williams. He had fantastic fights and was putting on just speed, quickness. He was fluid, fun to watch, good-looking guy. You could sell him. Argentinian, so he had a big fan base uh, of Argentines. But what ended up happening with, with him is he got old, not in one fight, not in one half of a fight, but he got old in one round. He was dominating <laughs> Julio Cesar. He, and it's true. He was dominating Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I mean, dominating, winning every single round of the fight. And then he got caught in the 12th, and then he suffered a knee injury, and Chavez Jr. almost knocked him out in that 12th round. He won every single other round of the fight, but nobody was closer to getting finished in that fight than Sergio Martinez in the 12th. And when he came back, he was never the same. Never looked the same. He looked like a beaten fighter afterwards. You saw what happened uh, uh, when he went and he fought Miguel Cotto. That shocked everybody. But at that stage of his career, because of those wars and because of that battle that he had with Julio Cesar Chavez in that one round, he got old in a hurry. Fighting's not like it, it's not like other sports where you see maybe a steady decline. When you get to a certain point, the, and another example would be Peyton Manning. Man, when Peyton Manning got old, he got old in a hurry. <laughs> it was, it's not one of, these, one of these NBA careers where you can go be a Vince Carter and you can still be a quality player and you can just come off the bench yep. and, 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 and put in your 15, 20 minutes of work. This is fighting. This is sanctioned violence. You are out there to get hurt or to deliver punishment on somebody else. And I just – I wonder – if maybe Triple G is peaked, because it sure looked like it when we saw on Saturday night. Listen to the breakdown of Jonas Knox, the Jonas Knox on social media, on Twitter. Uh, again, find him on Fox Sports Radio. A couple of moments left. I, I was thinking Roy Jones when you said the same thing, too. I mean, he was yep. un, untouchable defensively. He was electric when he fought. And then suddenly it's like his skill set went off the cliff when Father Time finally caught up with him. And we've seen it with other fighters uh, as well. Manny Pacquiao, you used to not be able to hit yep. him. You, you used to not be able to stop the straight left hand. And again, he is... He's still good, maybe, at times, but he's nowhere near what he was. He got old in a hurry in his mid-30s, the, kind of the same way. It just happens that way uh, in yeah. boxing. Hey, hey, do and, you and have – yeah, go ahead, sure. And, and I also think, you know, a, a, a good example of how to age the right way, if that's even possible, uh, but a good example of how to age the right way would be Bernard Hopkins. The reason Bernard Hopkins could still fight at 45 or 50 years old – and still be as good as he was is because he learned to fight the right way. He didn't have the natural ability that Roy Jones did. And when you're good at something naturally, maybe sometimes you don't really think you need to put in the time. You remember Roy Jones' fights on HBO, all the stories about him playing three-hour pickup basketball games before the fight? That's insane. No, <laughs> nobody would do that now. You, your, your, trainer, your trainer would find somebody to, to, to tie you to the bed and make sure you don't go get on the basketball court. But Bernard Hopkins fought the right way, and he learned early on, so he was able to age gracefully. I think if there's one fighter, because of his Olympic background, that I would give a chance at being able to age that way, it would be Triple G. Outside of an injury, I give him a shot. I just It goes back to the original point. I just wonder what was up with him on Saturday. Yep. All right, a few moments left. Do you have to see this a third time? There's talk about the money involved. Do you need to see 
this this thing a third time around at some point, middle of 2019, uh, whether it's Cinco de Mayo or in the summer, you, you need to see it again? I, I mean, look, I'll, I'll sign up to watch these guys fight any day. Um, I, and that's really what, what makes us sick and twisted, that we're actually signing up to see, uh, you know, lives off each other, uh, years off each other's lives. Uh, it's why we all loved Gotti Ward. We could not get enough of that. Um, you know, it, uh, Israel Vasquez and... Um, and Marquez, uh, that, that quadruple G or whatever you want to call it, the four fights was the, whatever they call it, a four fight fest. I don't even know, but like, if it's good enough, we always want to see it. I feel bad for triple G in the sense that he clearly, I think won the first fight. And I think a lot of people feel like he at least earned a draw in this second fight and he didn't get either of them. But I love the fact that a guy who was feared for so long and couldn't get a big payday is now staring in the eyes of three huge paydays with the biggest cash cow going in the sport. So I'm happy for him in that regard. Would it surprise you if Alvarez backs out and ducks Triple G for a while? Or do you think he really wants to fight him a third time because of all the stuff with the draw the first time, the PED suspension, that he should do the honorable thing and fight him again? Or could we see Alvarez duck him for a little while because he knows he's got father time on his side? Uh, that's that's the move. I mean, look, I always and maybe you and I have even talked about this because well, let's be honest here. We worked at Fox Sports Radio. There were what two people who really loved boxing in that entire building, and you're hearing them right now, yeah, right? Okay? Like, that, Except for maybe so, Looney. It's like you, me, and Looney yes, as the three musketeers. Yes. Yeah, Tom Looney, uh, Raj Groves was another guy. There was there was like three or four of us, but we were like the the kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, but everybody else is playing tackle football. Uh, so we were we were on the outside looking in. But I, I Floyd Mayweather, and we've discussed this before. Now you could say whatever you want about him ducking guys, but has anybody handled their matchups better than Floyd Mayweather? And part of that is he takes in outside factors, and the outside factor for Manny Pacquiao was Floyd Mayweather had age. And he had a, a, a fighting style on his side. Pacquiao was in too many wars, and he was a little bit past his prime. And P- Floyd Mayweather picked his spot. There's a reason Floyd Mayweather fought Canelo Alvarez when he fought him, because Canelo Alvarez was still a, a raw talent. When you, fact, when you think about how much different of a fighter Canelo Alvarez is, size, speed, uh, movement, quickness, intelligence in the ring, back to when Floyd Mayweather fought him, Night and day. So if I were Canelo Alvarez, I'd take a page from Floyd Mayweather, and I'd wait this one out a little bit. How about that? Uh, do I sneak something out of you? Pavetkin versus Anthony Joshua coming up Saturday night. A uh, humongous fight in the U.K. and in Europe for, for Joshua's versions of the heavyweight yeah. championship. Pavetkin straight out of the Drago character of Rocky right down to the steroid flunk tests. What do you make of this? Can Povetkin really, does he have the puncher's chance? Will this be a Joshua, you know, uh, hit him hard and yell timber? Or what's going to happen Saturday? Here's the problem. And it's so risky. This is risky business. Look, everybody wants to see Joshua Wilder. That's the fight everybody wants to see. But the problem is, every time that fight gets delayed, you can, you can take one side of it and go, well, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's more for the buildup, man. Keep stacking W's. It's going to make the fight even bigger. Okay, that's a good idea, except the problem is these are heavyweights, and heavyweights have C4 on their wrists. And all they've got to do is land a glancing blow, and millions upon millions of dollars and hopes and dreams and matchups go out the window. I, I give any heavyweight in the world a chance at knocking anybody out because of how hard these guys punch. You've been to fights before. You've, 
I mean, when heavyweights hit, yep. it's a different sound. It yeah. just sounds different. It's not It's not a normal thing. Look at, and, and, and to really the present day, to your point, Deontay Wilder has knocked out almost everybody oh. with the exception of one. He hits like a he hits like a sledgehammer in that yeah. ring. Tyson was that way. I still I'm still thinking back to some great moments. Hasim Rahman became a, a version oh. of the heavyweight champion basically on one punch. There are other there are other fighters going back through history in the heavyweight division. Jerry Cooney was famous for one punch, the left hook. If he landed it, he was winning. If he didn't, you were going to beat the crap out of him. So you're exactly right. Yeah, it, it, it it's like in in the UFC. Um, Faraz Sahabi is, is a, a well-renowned trainer. He trains George St. Pierre. He's in Montreal. He runs TriStar. He's fantastic and a really smart guy. He calls it the touch of death. And he says certain fighters just have that touch of death. He says Conor McGregor has it to where when Conor McGregor hits you, it changes things. He's got that. It's just a God-given ability. At heavyweight, everybody's got the touch of death. And, and if you get hit, you're going to sleep. It's just, it's just the way it is. And, and so every time these guys push off this fight a little further, because everybody wants to see Joshua and Wilder, every time you push this off, you run the risk of getting caught by a real big-time legitimate puncher who can put your lights out just like you can put his lights out. Well, we'll see if that is the case for Povetkin, what kind of chance he has. Joshua was the skilled fighter, former Olympic champion. We will find out. Again, he's the Prince of Darkness. He's Jonas Knox. Hear him again 3 to 6 a.m. Eastern time, early Saturday, early Sunday. That's midnight to 3 a.m. Pacific time. Overnights, Friday nights, and Saturday nights. Also on Sunday evenings, talking lots of football. He still roots for the South Carolina Gamecocks. He still roots for the Chicago Bears. (laughs) Uh, I always have joked with you that it's like you're a politician running for president because you root for the Celtics and the Bears and the Gamecocks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And from all for all I know, you've added some West Coast teams to your repertoire as well. You're a man of the country, a man of the people rooting, but I love you for your boxing here on Big Fight Weekend, well, sir. Well, I mean, look, you got to uh, – I was born in Thousand Oaks, California, all right? So when, when Laker fans would give me a hard time growing up that I was cheering for the Celtics, I'd go, what's wrong with you, man? This is L.A. And I look around and go, it is? <laughs> I, 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 I'm seeing Thousand Oaks everywhere I look. I didn't know the Lakers played in Thousand Oaks. So being being in a neutral uh, part of the country that is Southern California, but not affiliated with the county of L.A. and definitely not the city of L.A., you can kind of move and shake and get around and, and, and pull some shenanigans with that. So it's more fun. you got more teams in the hunt. Yeah, you do. You do. And he's a humongous fight fan. Again, give him a follow at the Jonas Knox and hear him on Fox Sports Radio. He'll probably be talking about that Anthony Joshua fight at some point uh, this weekend as well. My friend, promise me that you will come back. It was a pleasure to have yes. you here to break down the sweet science. Let's talk some boxing again on Big Fight Weekend on this new podcast venture down the road. Thank you. You're the best, Deej. Love it, man. It'll do it again anytime you need me, man. I'm here for you. Big Fight Weekend brought to you in part by Touch Vodka. Drink, eat, live, local Touch Vodka. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. And that does it for this recap edition of the Canelo upset of Triple G capturing the World Middleweight Championship, the WBC, the WBA, the IBO, and the Ring Magazine Linear Championship that Gennady Golovkin held on to 
for going on a decade. He's handed his first defeat at the hands of Canelo Alvarez. Will there be a third fight? It looks like there probably will be, but like we were just talking about with Jonas Knox, maybe Canelo takes a fight in between and makes uh, Triple G sweat a little more, take another fight himself. Will it be an immediate rematch? I don't know that it'll be an immediate rematch, and it's in Alvarez's interest to wait for a while for it to not be an immediate rematch because Father Time, again, is in his favor. We'll find out on that. We will, by the way, come back with a preview edition of Big Fight Weekend before Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin battle for Joshua's heavyweight championship. That's coming up this weekend in England with Povetkin with the failed drug test, but he's the big, hard-punching Russian right out of that mold of drugs. Drago in Rocky. We'll see if Anthony Joshua, the Olympic hero, can continue to, uh, to to basically own the European boxing market with the way that he has ascended to success in that fight. We'll be in the preview mode again coming up on Big Fight Weekend. For now, again, subscribe to this podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. That's way, That way you'll get this podcast instantly when it is up and when it is available. Subscribe to us. Again, find us through Radio Influence. Again, track us on Big Fight Weekend through social media as well. Again, I'm TJ Reeves for my guest, Deshaun Tate. Follow him at Tate's Tate Sports on social media, on Twitter. Follow the Jonas Knox from Fox Sports Radio at The Jonas Knox. I want to thank them for coming on and being guests with me here as part of this Big Fight Weekend recap of Canelo beating Triple G. Canelo Alvarez is the middleweight champ. Will we see it a third time? Time will tell on that one. Thank you for being with us as part of Big Fight Weekend. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man that I really got familiar with uh, uh, talking to Henry Corrales because he's ultimately the reason Henry Corrales went to the lab in Arizona. It is the MMA lab striking coach at each MMA is an evolving game. We, we, we've seen it, you know, whether someone's been a fan of the sport for three years or, or, or 25 years, you've seen the evolution of the game. For you as a lifelong martial artist and now, you know, coaching fighters, how do you see the game evolving? Uh, they're definitely more well-rounded. I know back in the days, you know, everybody was kind of a great striker or, uh, you know, a world-class jiu-jitsu guy or, you know, a D1 wrestler or things like that. Nowadays, if you look at the younger generation, everyone wrestles in high school. They all go to college and wrestle. They're already brown belts by the time they're 20 years old and things like that. And they've all boxed or done traditional styles. So, you know, so many guys are so much more well-rounded, uh, especially the younger generation, the guys that are in their 20s and stuff like that. They start a lot earlier. They know what they want to do. I think a lot of guys when um, in, the, in the older days, 20 years ago, they kind of fell into it, you know, the, the, the career chooses them as opposed to they pick the careers. But now I think at an early age, even at, even at the lab, you'll see kids, I want to be a UFC fighter at 10 years old or 15 years old. And they can continue to do so. You know, we have a lot of guys that are homegrown. Um, Mario Batista, he, he's, uh, I'm not sure exactly when he started, but he was, I think it was eight and or nine and oh, as an amateur. He's taken every class all the way up. You know, um, he's five and oh, as, an, as a pro right now. Um, <clears throat> Sean O'Malley is another product to the lab. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, they all started at O&O. And so these are just young superstars that they're just evolving the game. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.